Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA Editor for the Washington Post. Coming from New York City, where I'm going to be for the next few days, part of an East Coast swing for me. But uh, more importantly, bringing you a conversation I had with Spencer Dinwiddie, the Brooklyn Nets guard, back in Mexico City on Friday. Spencer's really taken off this year, gotten a chance to play with injuries to Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell. He's done a terrific job for the Nets. And, you know, he has a really interesting backstory. Blew out his knee at Colorado. Uh, went from being a guy who was going to be a first-round pick to a guy who had to, you know, get, you know, was drafted in the second round, had to kind of fight his way back uh, into this position. He's bounced from Detroit to Chicago, now to Brooklyn. He's been in the D League, uh, so really interesting up and down ride for him. Uh, and he's a really interesting guy. So had a lot of fun talking to him about that, about playing for Kenny Atkinson, about how he approaches the position. Um, touched on some other subjects around the league. Talked about Mexico City and the possibility of a, you know, the NBA eventually being there full time. Uh, it was a really, really fun, interesting conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get to Spencer. Let's, let's just start with your, your ACL tear in the first place. Uh, you obviously are having a real nice career coming yeah. out of looking towards the NBA draft. Like what was kind of your, um, what was kind of your thought process is that happened in, in the immediate aftermath of it in terms of how it was you know potentially going to impact things for you down the road Ooh, uh, I think immediately I was I was I was sad you know what I'm saying uh, because the way we were going like with Colorado basketball at the time you know obviously I was I was climbing so people were talking about me in the lottery like and then we were 14 and 2 I think or 15 and 2 so something like that you're both there right no, no, so Dre had already left. This oh, was my junior right. season. He had that's left right. the year prior. But, you know, we had, we were, what, 15th in the country, projected to be top 10 after that win because, like, a bunch of teams had lost. Like, and so people were thinking, like, we're about to have the greatest season in, in Colorado basketball history. Like, we're at least going to the Sweet 16, like, potentially farther, like, the whole nine. So I was hurt for that, you know what I'm saying, because that's something you can never get back. So... That was that was kind of a different feeling because it was completely out of my control. Yeah, and then you worry about the draft obviously immediately, um, and then when I found out how bad I actually messed with my knee because I tore my ACL, lateral meniscus, medial meniscus, and my MCL, so pretty much tore everything. <laughs> pretty much the grand slam. Yeah, yeah. just knocked it out the park. Um, then I was worried about the draft, um, but I mean there was nothing I could really do except go through recovery. So you know. Um, couldn't walk for seven weeks. Yeah, the week prior to surgery, and then six weeks after. So, you know. Um, but when when my recovery started making some good progress, I was like, you know what? Roll the dice, and that's that's kind of the way. Right. Kind of way I think in general with my right. with my life. I bet on myself. I roll the dice pretty much in any any situation you look at. You know, I even coming out what college decisions I had Colorado and Harvard. You know what I'm saying I chose to go to Colorado because I wanted yeah. to go to the NBA. Yeah. So it's a potentially safe route, right? Harvard, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a good job, right? You know, uh, still going to the draft after ACL. Um, any 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 aspect in life where it's come down to like, oh, Spence, what are you going to do? I've, I've kind of just always been like the roll of dice kind of guy, so that's what it was. Yeah. Now you, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned being recruited by Harvard. Um, was it was it really like was were there other schools involved or was it really just was that really the choice? So there were other schools involved. UCLA came at the 11th hour. Um, Oregon was there, actually recruited me pretty hard. And UNLV was also in the mix. Uh, but they were a clear fifth. Um, but when, when it really came down to the, the college decision, it was between Colorado and Harvard. And, and, and what was, was Amaker, was, had Amaker gotten there yet? Yeah, that, that, was, was, a, that was Amaker and uh, Yanni Huffnagel were the two. Right, that's uh, what I thought. So yeah, what? It, I imagine. Uh, I, I mean, you're 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 a bright guy. I mean, I'm sure the yeah, idea yeah. of going to Harvard must have been at least somewhat appealing if it got if it got sure. that close, right? For sure. I mean, I, I I I was almost there. I really. I mean, I really was. I was almost there. Because um, it's not like Colorado was a power, you no. know, by by any stretch. Like, no. what 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 made you think that that was the better pro path for you? Pro path. Uh, Mostly had to do with conference, sure, and then also just just the way they spoke about my role and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they spoke with such passion, you know. And, and nobody leaves the Ivy League early. You know what I'm saying? Nobody declares right. after two years. I, <laughs> right. I was I was the kid. You know what I'm saying? Like legitimately, like I was the kid who was whatever it was 150th in my class, but was like, oh, I'm going to the NBA in two years. 
like book it. Like I'm better than them. They're all gonna see. Like book it. Two years, I'm out. You know what I mean? And it actually ended up being a possibility. I could have left after my second year, but family decision, and I went back my third. Right, my third. No, it, it's it's certainly. Uh, I mean, like you said, and, and you were in position to be, you know, a lottery pick when that happened. Now, when you're you're spending six weeks going through. Um, going through rehab you're not really able to get around I mean what what is uh you know you mentioned how tough it was to to know that the the team success was not going to be there when you weren't there like what what kept you going through that was it the the idea that like you could see the NBA down the road was it just that you wanted to get back like what what kind of kept you so beat through all that I mean essentially when you hit that when you hit that place you know what I'm saying that that kind of dark place and people are like yo we don't we don't know if you're going to play at a high level again. Like after, because, and remember, obviously, I'm asleep this whole time, knocked out on drugs while they're <laughs> operating. But right. you know, my surgery was only supposed to take like I think it was a, a couple hours or hours or something like that, and then right. taking like four hours because uh, meniscus repairs they had to do and all this other stuff. So, and, and just cleaning my knee up. So, you know, when when they're like, yo, we don't know. <laughs> if you're going to play at a high level like that again. So you hit this dark place, and then you, you're faced with a decision. And I was like, either I'm going to do it or I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's really all it came down to. Like, right. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going a, I'm to a eat right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm whatever it is. Like, am I gonna, I'm a hyperbaric chamber, PRP injections, rehab this many times. You know what I'm saying? All, like, it was it was just like, yo, we're, it's either going to happen or it's not. Period. So did you do all that stuff? Were you doing hyperbaric all chambers? All of it. I, I was for the six weeks that I wasn't walking. Well, seven weeks I was vegan. I, <laughs> really? Yeah. So just then, then, or did you like become vegan? No, no, no. So I, I like even right now to this day, like I eat better than most. But sure, I eat like four meals a day. Three of them are vegan. Four Interesting. Is usually, it, it makes some lean meat. Yeah, some lean meat. But that's that's more just kind of now where I'm at but sure. no like when I hit that place I was like it, it's, it's either I'm gonna fail or I'm gonna make it yeah like one of the two but you know I, I get I, I got to that point well I've had several points in my life like that where it's, I feel like I've seen something or I've, or I've been on the cusp of something and it's been taken away and it's like I refuse that I got to this point just to you know what I'm saying see it and then not have it happen sure right? that I, I refuse this this is a little off topic now but i I'm, i've always been fascinated by these hyperbaric chambers yeah because it just seems completely insane yeah uh, can you can you describe to me like what it's like to be in one of those because it looks it looks insane just looking at it so i went to the ones at the hospital like i know they have like all different types of ones but i went to the ones in the hospital so they're like six seven foot glass tubes like and they like lock you in and and drop the the depth down so it's like you're you're in this pressurized glass tube and you watching tv for like two hours and you're not supposed to really move or nothing you can't use the bathroom or nothing so you're just kind of locked in a just glass hanging tube. in this tube i mean yeah. did you ever like i feel like i would get claustrophobic and freak out at some point i mean did you ever did you ever kind of go like what the heck am i doing here or, uh, are we able you, to look at are we able to kind of because are you because you're able to watch tv are you able to kind of focus yeah, on that I and mean, not think about the, it the, so the very first time you get in there you're kind of like what did i get into? <laughs> like this is weird and then right. you know 15 minutes in you're like man i wish i could move but you can't so you know you're like oh i got another hour and 45 of this but after doing it for like i said I think I did for like it was like a month. So would you do it like every day for two hours? What was I doing? I think it was three, it was three times a week for two hours for a month, I believe. So or, like Monday, Wednesday. Was so it, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Friday for four actually. Wow. All right. It was something like that. It was three or four times a week for a month. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Now, were, did you have something you would watch? Like, would, or would uh, just be whatever was on? Was it like was a certain on. show or something? Yeah, whatever was on, they'd, they'd tap on the glass and, and ask like, if I wanted to change it, and I'd be like, put on Family Guy or, <laughs> you right. know, just just give me something. Yeah. So you so you go through this rehab process. You get to the you get to the combine. You're um, you know, you're still you're still. I think you were like three months out at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Combines when June, uh, early May. Oh, May. Three or four oh, months. You got hurt so. around, around January, right? Yeah, so I got hurt January 12th and had surgery on the 20th. Okay, so I guess so it's like four months. Yeah, like three and a half. Yeah. Um, look, 
you, I mean, I know where, you, like you said, you were a guy who was looking at the lottery, yeah. you know, before it. Like, when you went to the combine, like, where was your head at in terms of where you thought you might be? I mean, did you have any sense of um, what your what your status was at that point, or was it so wait and see? No, nah, it was it was very wait and see. So, you know, obviously when you have something like that, everybody's going to want to check it out. Like, I was flying place to place, like, just so people could check out my knee. Like, they just wanted to see my knee. Um and, no, nah, I mean, I, I kind of was in a place where, like, my agent kind of said, like, yo, you're going to get drafted, but, like, we don't really know. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know where. Like, it could be 25. It could be 55. Like, you know, it, somebody, somebody might bite. Somebody might not. Like, you know what I'm saying? If they red flag you, like, then it's bad. But I knew because of the way the recovery had gone, I more than likely wasn't going to get red flagged. So I was confident in that. But other than that, I mean, going through the draft process, you, I didn't. I didn't really know. Yeah. And you ended up at 35 to Detroit, right? 38. 38. Yeah. So so as you're going through the draft that night, um, and you, you're getting into the later part of the first round, then you get into the later part of the second round, like what's kind of – were you watching it and were you in L.A. at home? Yeah, or? I was in L.A. at home. So, so what, like what's kind of going through your mind as you're watching that night play out? You're seeing like you know, oh, yeah. you know once you, you know, get towards the end of the first round, you're not in the first round. Like what, what's kind of going through your mind until you get that call from, from well, Detroit? Well, as you know, there's, there's always like a million different scenarios on draft night. It's like, oh, if he takes him, then he falls there, then you might go there. And are you and getting play-by-play play on that from your agent the whole time? Yeah, so you're getting, you're getting information and stuff like that. But, I mean, for the most part, you're kind of just watching. I mean, there's is there some amount of like, oh, I feel like I'm better than him, this, that, and the third? Sure, I always feel that. But at the same time, I understand the, the circumstance. So I – I was just waiting, you know what I mean? Like, that's really all I could do. I was just sitting there like, okay, okay, like, all right. And then I get a call, I'm like, oh, yes, like, you know, I get drafted. So it was, it was good. What, uh, what was that feeling like? Because obviously that had been a pretty insane six months for you. Yeah. You know, to, to get that official call, I mean, it must have been pretty gratifying, even, even if it wasn't as high as you necessarily initially hoped yeah. for. Uh, to, to know that you still were going to be – you know, getting a shot at the league after everything that happened, it must have been. Yeah. No, it, cool it, it for sure felt good. It for sure felt good on draft night. I mean, I think uh, my parents and everything had like a much higher reaction. You know what I'm saying? And I was kind of. Well, like, it sounds like you kind of expected it the whole time. Yeah, I expected to get drafted. I was just waiting to well, see. Well, I even where. mean like when you went to college. It's not like you, you very clearly like this wasn't yeah. something that like came out of the blue for you. Yeah, no, nah, like I, I don't know, man. I just. I just think that I can do anything, yeah. honestly. Like, and so I just be like, this is what's going to happen. And if I say I'm going to do something, then I expect to do it. Like, if we sat here right now and I was like, yo, I want to hit a half-court shot, like, I would fully expect to make it. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? So sure. that's just kind of how it is. Just how you are. Yeah. What a, now, when you, you said that, you know, you were thinking you were, like, whatever, the 150th guy in, in your class, and you were like, hey, in two years I'm going to be in the, in the league. Yeah. When, when, was the, when, when was the point – when you were a kid coming up, that you were like, "Hey, this is gonna like I think this can happen." Was there, you know, was there an AAU tournament or a game in high school or something where you kind of like looked around and said, "Hey, like this is something that I can really do," or were you just always thinking that? Nah, I, I think there's there's always points in your career that reinforce your confidence. You know what I mean? So so anybody that says like that they've never battled with, sure. you know I'm saying self doubt is lying. You sure. know what I'm saying like at four years old, I was like, I want to be an NBA, and it was a dream. You know sure. what I mean? But then, you know. I think when I was, like, 10 or something like that, I had, like, 50 in, like, a little rec league thing. So that obviously makes you feel good. Um, what else? I got invited to, like, camps, you know what I'm saying? Like, little Adidas-type camps and sure. stuff like that. So sure. that feels good. And then we won the Super 64 My going into my senior year. That was that was cool. Um, winning city championship, that was good. You know what I mean? just So there's always markers throughout your career that are, like, yo, like, I can do this, like you know what I mean? And you draw on those, and yeah. they help build and, and mold who you are. But I would say when I decided I want to go to the league, I was four years old, probably. Yeah. yeah I just, it's, it's what I always saw myself doing. I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Worked out. Yeah. Now, you, uh, you, I mean, you've had an interesting route to even to get to here, right? I mean, you're in Detroit for a couple of years. Um, you know, we have some mutual friends there you yeah. were working with. Um, then you end up in Chicago. Yeah. Then you end up here. Um you know, you you clearly are a confident guy, yeah. but like how when you're kind of just grinding through every day, trying to stay in the league and like yeah. get a chance to prove yourself and play. Like what what is it that keeps you going 
um, through all of that and doesn't you don't doesn't keep you from going like man like what like what's the deal here? What's the deal? Uh, I would say that the reason why several reasons I never gave up I guess would be it's part of what I've always envisioned. You know what I'm saying? The childhood dream. Um, I think I also drew a lot of confidence from like my performances in practice. You know what I'm saying? Obviously. It's kind of the whole if a tree falls in the woods concept and nobody's around it to make a sound. Like, yeah. And, and to me, the answer to that is it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because nobody's around. So yeah. nobody in the world saw, right, what I was able to do in practice. But for me, it was like, okay, if I can perform against Reggie Jackson, Brandon Jennings, you know what I'm saying, Rajon Rondo, whatever, then I belong here. I just have to do it. You know what I'm saying? On the stage. Like, I eventually have to find a way onto the stage and to do it. And then I think that the chip... You know what I'm saying? The, the, that, that feeling of, like, feel like you're the best and that there's always some reason as to why, yeah. you know what I'm saying, you can't play or why this isn't going to work out or why. And so you you get, like, you're, you're like, angry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always reference, like, movies and other like quotes and all that stuff. Sorry, but like no, the Hulk. You, you don't need to. You don't need. To, sorry. Yeah, no. Nah, like the Hulk in one of the movies says, like the secret is I'm always angry, and then he transforms like on a whim. You know what I'm saying? And you so and usually the stigma behind him is he can't control the transformation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And that's kind of how it is. Like I'm I'm always like this. You know what I'm saying I'm always wanting to prove your doubt yeah, yourself. Yeah. To show it. To to show everything. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, and and so that's why it's it's kind of a stark difference when I step inside the lines in terms of the explosiveness, in terms of emotion versus like when I'm not off because people are like, oh, like you're so well balanced, like you know you don't really say much. <laughs> yeah. This that, and the third, and then when I'm out there, I'll be like, like you know what I'm saying, going crazy. Switch but, flips. Yeah, the switch flips, and but it but it's always from a standpoint of believing that I can do anything. Now what it now what is that? What like what what happens when like when you walk out there and the switch does flip like what like it, do you do you walk on the court and like are you are you like immediately trying to switch your like do you do you like immediately consciously change your mindset when you walk like when you leave the bench to walk out on the court or is it just or like like what like what what kind of is that process that you get out there and you know like you said like you kind of yeah. shift into a different mode mentally. I mean, I think it stems from one, like, always wanting to win. You know what I'm saying? That, that being the main driving factor. And then you always kind of have to walk that line of, like, the passionate versus the crazy, especially in high-emotion situations. You, you have to walk that line. So, you, so even when, you know, you're playing chess out there, you still have to be so locked in, so in tune, so, you know what I'm saying, driven by whatever the – the goal is and the process is to get to that goal that it, it is going to consume you to a certain degree right you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it's, it's not a situation where if I'm sitting here and making a business deal I can I can remove myself emotionally and be like here are all these strict numbers you know what I'm saying but when you're talking about this is something that is the driving force behind how I provide for my family right and, and do all these other things you're going to and, and it's something you want to do since you're four years old you're going to be emotionally tied to it you're right. going to be emotionally locked into it and then because of the way you're trying to manipulate every situation around there and thinking about every little thing you know what I'm saying that it's, it's just that, that switch it just immediately goes just because of you being driven to win the game yeah no, that, that makes total sense now you're, you're a bigger guy you're 6'6 six, six. Yeah. Um, have you always been a point guard? All the way through, yeah. So Cause it seems it seems like the, kind of the way you approach the game. It seems and and kind of the way you approach things mentally. It seems like that would be something you would have been drawn to almost as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So even though my favorite player was Kobe Bryant, uh, well, sure, L- an LA kid, right? Yeah, LA of grew up with his career at <laughs> right. nine. Um, yeah, no, nah, that, that's been me from jump. I mean, I feel like, I mean, there, there's a million different ways to skin a cat, but I feel like you know when you can play chess and out there and kind of put pieces in situations, you can you can get the most out of out of a situation. You know, I feel like the point guard has to be kinda like the nuclear bomb almost. It has to be the trump card, but if you play the trump card early, it can kill your team too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that that's kinda how I feel about the situation. Like you have to feel like oh, I can go get a basket, I can go make this play at any point in time. 
but then you have to judge exactly when you're going to do that, when you shift that gear. Like, who, it, oh, can I can I get him a shot so he'll play harder on defense? Right. You know what I'm saying, like, well, I, yeah, no, I was, what I was going to say was in watching you, and especially watching you this year with Brooklyn, the thing that stands out to me is that when you're coming down the court, it seems like you, you know, because there's, there's different, like you said, there's different ways to play the position, right? Yeah. There's some guys like you guys played the Thunder last night where Westbrook, even though he gets a lot of assists, has always been known yeah. as a guy that's uh, he's attacking. He's bump. Right. He just detonates <laughs> as soon as he walks. That's the right. Team dies, other team that's, dies. That's like, right. Just... But, like, you know, you've got him and, like you mentioned, Rondo, he's like, you know, completely the other way almost yeah. where he's almost never looking to shoot. Yeah. But, like, it does feel like you consciously, when you're playing the position, you're out there, you're you're coming down like, hey, like, Karras hasn't got the ball in two yeah. or three possessions. Like, he needs to get a touch. Yeah. Or, like, Alan Crabb hasn't touched the ball in two minutes. I need to get him the ball. Exactly. It does seem like you kind of, like, the way you approach it, it does seem like that's kind of, at least from watching, like, kind of instinctively how you Definitely. play the game. Definitely. That's, that's, that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? Like, and then – Knowing, knowing your personnel. Like, for example, Ronnie's one of our emotional leaders. If we can get him going early, he's going to be very active for us, get extra rebounds, steals, stuff like that. And one of the things he likes to do is get in transition on a little broken break and attack a four-man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because he really moves like a three. So anytime I can kick it ahead, kick it ahead of him, he can right. kind of get into his package. Like, he gets, he's happy. He's usually going to get to the free throw line nine times out of ten. Right. You know what I mean? And, and so that's good for our team. You know, and, and like I said, it comes from a place of, like I said, wanting to win, being cognizant of everything that's going on, mm-hmm. and also knowing that, I, or at least I feel like, I can get a good shot anytime I want. Yeah. So I don't need to press for that shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because when the game comes down, like at the end of the game, more than likely I'm going to be doing that anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if I take 30 shots and kill the whole flow, you know, then then we're you know what I mean? For for lack of a better word, sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like we're in trouble okay. because it takes five to win it. It takes five people to win a game. Yeah. You know, and like I said, many different ways to get a cat. Everybody does it differently, but in terms of how I think and approach it, like, that's that's what's worked for me. Yeah. No. Totally. Now you um, you you know, we kind of came around to it, but you you were in Detroit. You're in Chicago. You didn't get a ton of opportunities yeah. to play a lot. Um, you come you come here to Brooklyn last year. You're here a little bit. Now you're back here this year. Now Jeremy and D'Angelo are out. You're playing a ton of minutes. You're playing great. Um, is this is it just as simple as this is, you know, one of the first chances you've really had at a long extended opportunity to play, and that things have really started to come together here, or is it something about the way Kenny coaches or his system? Like, what what do you think has allowed this situation, this time for you to really be a chance for you to to blossom and play really well? Um, I think a product of a lot of things, you know. Like I said, I learned a lot in Detroit, learned a lot in Chicago, and there were definitely bright spots there, like single games here or there that, that were good. So sure. It, it definitely helped. I think because of how critical I am of myself because of how much I'm constantly thinking, you know what I'm saying, if if I'm put in a in a really tight box, then I'm a I'm a overthink in that box and it's not gonna it's it's usually not gonna work out. Right. Because it's gonna be paralysis by analysis, you know what I mean? Like I'm just gonna you know what I'm saying, try to be perfect too much. You know what I'm saying? And um, was that something you would do a lot earlier in your career? Would with, you, would with you Detroit, over, would for you, sure. You'd overthink with Detroit for sure. You know, I mean, because you, you know, what I'm saying you'd go out there for let's say 15 minutes and you'd have to do exactly, you know, what I'm saying what was said. And so I'm like, I'm going to do exactly what was said. Like, and I'm not going. Not going to gonna mess freelance up. at all. You know, what I'm saying yeah. I'm not going to mess right. up. You know what I mean? And and that's no way to really blossom as a, as a player. You can't play. You can't play basketball robotically, right? Exactly. Yeah. But um, and, and then coming here, like I said, they just they just kind of just kind of were like, "Yo, Spence, we believe in you." You know what I'm saying? Like, like go play. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you've seen like I've, I've shot some thirty footers, and they've right. been like, "Shoot the next one." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Wait, really?" You know what I mean? Like, wait, really? They're like, "Shoot the next one." Now what? Now what yep. is it like playing? What is it like playing for Kenny? Because he he's a guy that I mean, you know this obviously. Yeah. He, he was. Well, well regarded as, you know, maybe the best development guy in the league or certainly yeah. one of them before he got this job. And, you know, from the outside looking in, it's, he seems like a pretty fun guy for to sure. play for, both because of the way you guys play, you're bombing threes, you're running up and down. Yeah. But also, like, he does seem to have, you know, kind of this interesting mix of, you know, I was talking to somebody about it last night, like he's, a, he's able to ream a guy out yeah. and then, like, put his arm around him yeah. and, like, it's, it's okay. Like, in, like, I don't think everybody 
has the ability to do that. Like, no. so like what what it, what it, what do you what have you enjoyed about playing for him? I think him being a former player and then also being a player's coach and having gone through the trenches of being a development coach, I think he walks that same line of passion and crazy with us. And so we we identify with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you legitimately feel like he's got your back. He's out there with you. you know what I'm saying he's not. You know what I'm saying he's in the foxhole. You know what I mean? And so he immediately gains that respect. Yeah. You know, and so that's why he's able to, like I said, yell at somebody and, and then put his arm around him and, you know, and, and, it, and it still works out because we legitimately rally behind him. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. In, in watching you guys play, like, you know, you were there part of the year last year, but it, it seemed like, you know, last year there was far less talent even than now. But they, but the team was always in games. They were playing hard all yeah. the time. It's kind of like those early Sixers teams with Brett Brown, like before yeah. they got Joel and Ben and these guys. Yeah. But, like, this year, now you guys, you know, you're playing well. You've added Allen. Karras is taking a big step. Rondé's taking a step. It yeah. does – it feels like you guys have all kind of – you guys all kind of seem like you're come from similar places. A lot of guys yeah. who were doubted. Um, Kenny's a guy who took a while to be become a head coach. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like this entire group is kind of bought into. For sure. I don't want to necessarily say like us against the world, but like you, know, you come into the end of the season, the Cavs make the the trade for the Celtics. Yeah. With the Celtics, it's like oh, they got the Nets pick. The Nets are going to have exactly. a terrible no record, of course. You know, but it but it, and it feels like you guys have I don't know like consciously taken that on, but like. It does feel like watching you guys play that you're you basically been in every game. I think yeah. you've only had one game either way that wasn't a blowout this yeah. season, which is I think the most in the league in terms of competitive games. It does feel like you guys have kind of bought into like, hey, you know what, we, you know, we we together can do a lot more than for sure. what people think. For sure. I mean, I think like you said, it's credit to management um, for upgrading the talent level, and then a credit to the coaching staff for upgrading the talent level of the existing players, and and like you said, a collective mentality of like. Why, why can't we win? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you have a bunch of guys that, that all feel like they're the best player when they step out on the floor, you know what I'm saying, but are still willing to work in a collective, you know what I'm saying, group with a collective goal, why can't you accomplish greatness? You know what I'm saying? We're, we're all one of the top 500 players in, in the world, you know what I'm saying, give or take, right? Yeah. Why would you step onto the court and think like oh man we're gonna lose because we're only 500 out of 8 billion <laughs> right. you know what I mean like <laughs> the odds are still pretty good in your favor yeah like yeah. you know what I'm saying that to me that that's that's how I feel like our whole team looks at it. I know it's definitely how I look at it so we approach every game like we're gonna win and then the 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 close games that we're in with the Warriors or, or the times we can beat the Cavs or or we can have a really solid win against it you know what I'm saying? Whatever team it is, we're like, okay, we can do this. You know what I'm saying? We can do this. You know what I'm saying? Being the Thunder last night, okay, cool. Hey, you like, guys are down You guys are down 15 yeah. points, and you, you managed to fight back. Yeah, you we know? fought back. And yeah. we're shorthanded. Obviously, they didn't play Paul George, a big piece to them. But at the same time, we only had, like, eight players suited up or nine right. players suited up. You know what I mean? So, right, you guys made a trade. Yeah, we made a trade. Trevor. Didn't, didn't yeah. have who was a huge piece of our team. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so we, we gain confidence from, from every situation. Now, in, in being around the league, to me, confidence is maybe the most underrated thing yeah. that people talk about. Because, like, you look at – there are plenty of good players who, you know, whether it's free throws, guys struggle with confidence there, three-point shots, whatever. Yeah. Like, you, you look – like, the guys that are good, you know, like Russell Westbrook, say what you want about his game. He's never right. lacking in confidence, yeah. ever, no matter what happens. Yeah. So, like, was there, as you were kind of going through your ebbs and flows the last couple of years before you got to here, was there, were there times, you know, when you said you are a critical guy, like, were there times when you had your confidence dip as things were going? And, like, did you ever get to a point where you said, hey, like, I don't know if this is 
going to work out, like, just because of the way things were going? Or were you always able to kind of keep in the back of your mind, like, nah, this is, I'm going to be able to fight through this and it's going to be okay? So I think it was, there. there's two types, you know what I mean? Confidence within the situation was for sure an all-time low in Detroit. Confidence in who I was as a player and as a person, that never wavers, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's taken 20-plus years to build. Yeah. So that's not going to be broken by a situation. But confidence within the situation, like I said, whether it be a box or whether it be – Now, you know now when you say within the situation, is that is that playing time? Is that style of play? Is it the way you're being used? So like what like – what, like what, Playing, what playing is time and even, and even when you step out on the floor, the ability to execute what's asked of you. You know what I'm saying? Because if you feel like, oh, if I turn the ball over, I'm going to come out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're gonna be real shaky trying not to turn the ball, but you're also not gonna take any chances to try to make plays right. either. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was never like, oh, I'm not able to do this. It's like, well, can I try or should I not try or like, should I shoot this or maybe I shouldn't shoot this or, oh, I'm shooting 18% from three or 15% or whatever it was, something awful. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? From three, like, maybe I shouldn't shoot this because yeah. if I shoot one, I'm gonna come out or, you know what I'm saying? You're going through all this stuff and you can't play basketball that way, you know, and, and, I definitely don't want to take the focus off of the Nets' improvement, you know what I'm saying, and helping me to become a better player than the coaching staff, the development staff, and the culture of development. But there's no way, you know what I'm saying, you shoot 15% and 40%. I mean, and then I shot high 30s in college. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you don't shoot like that and then go here yeah, and go back Yeah, it's not just there. development, not, right. Like, it's I've confidence. always been a, yeah, I've always been a at least decent shooter, you know what I'm saying? Like, not Steph Curry, but like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, just honestly, like, I've always been at least a decent. If you're shooter. open, you're gonna knock down a shot. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So, it a, a lot of that is in, in the NBA is confidence in situation. I mean, Corey Brewers had 50 point games. Like, didn't uh, Jordan Crawford had a 50 point oh, yeah. game? Right? Yeah. Oh so, yeah. And he's extremely talented, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes he's in the league. Sometimes he's not. It's, sure. It's a, it, the way this works, it's it's fluid. I mean, Shaka Patrick was our what leading. Second leading scorer, last yeah. Year or Boyan was. He was he was, but scoring double digit points yeah, a game, up there, right? Exactly. And, sure. And now we don't have him on the roster. You know what I mean? And it's it's just the way the way this thing works. It's a very fluid situation. I'm saying so you can never take for granted the moment, but that also speaks to how much confidence and situation matter in this because when you're splitting hairs between the top 500 out of eight billion, you know what I'm saying? You're talking about point zero zero whatever percent, like a lot of that. Unless you're a mutant, unless you know what I'm saying, you're LeBron of 6'8", 275, sure. a mutant, right? For all these other folks, like, what's going what's gonna to separate him? Like, it's, uh, I think he can dribble a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's these very... It's all stuff on the margins. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very small things that separate guys. Yeah, and that's where, that's where the confidence comes in. But, like, yeah. you, and, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you, you met, like, was there ever a point when you... When you wondered if it was gonna work, like in Detroit, were you were you at some point like, hey, like I'm like this, I'm gonna have a couple years and like this isn't gonna work, and I'm gonna like be in Europe or something? Like, did it did it ever get to that point, or were you always able to, or, or were you always still confident that eventually, whether you were got a shot in Detroit or you ended up somewhere else, that like you were gonna be able to stick in the league, or did that did no, that I mean, feeling I, ever slip out of your head? No, I, I think you all you get worried about that because you're cognizant of the way that things happen in the league and, and how close you can be to being out. Like right. I could be out the league next year. Like there's there's no way of knowing what's gonna happen next sure. year. But in terms of like how I always felt, I, I always had that same type of mentality. It's like even when I got hurt, it was like I didn't get here. I didn't fight through that injury to come back in record time and saying when they didn't even know if I was gonna play basketball at a high level, yeah. to then have like to then play very well in practice against just sub all-star level guards for it to not work like for it to not work out like right. and I'm doing the right thing it's not like I'm you know what I'm saying drinking and and smoking <laughs> and out all the time and yeah. all this other stuff like now you're eating I'm, vegan three I'm, times yeah I'm, I'm eating <laughs> vegan three times like I'm like there's no way that that it happens like I was it was and if it and granted it I know I was very close you know what I'm saying and I know that that it was it was there and, and I mean I, I guess credit faith credit whatever it is that you want but I legitimately felt like when I was there like it can't end like this you know what I'm saying and you can call it crazy delusional whatever it is but I just legitimately felt kind of the same way as when I got hurt it was like 
this doesn't end like this. Like, there's no way that this ends like this. So I imagine, I imagine when, in, uh, looking at things that way, I imagine when people are surprised at how you're playing now. Yeah. I imagine you are pretty incredulous that people would feel that way, right? Just, no, I don't mean that, I don't mean that you look at them and that they, like, they, I don't mean you're, like, saying, well, yeah, you people are stupid. But, I mean, like, from your, the way you look at it, it's like, hey, like, I could always do this. Yeah. So, like, it, it's not surprising to me. No. That I that I'm doing this, or like no. that I'm having this kind of success now. Yeah, no, I mean you gotta remember, like we're talking first, we're talking about first season, eight months free of an AC, like not just ACL, but like sure. massive well, your knee injury. Yeah. yeah, I had my first career start against D Rose. You know what I'm saying? Twelve and nine, we win. Followed up like a week later, two weeks later, I have twenty eight against John Wall. We almost win. So there was there was never a point where I was like, oh, I can't play basketball. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it was to me like. How, why can I do this and then not play for a week? Or what am I not doing right? Like, what did I? You know what I'm saying? And, and like I said, it was just it was just a thought process. Of like, there's no way it ends like this. You know what I'm saying like, there's no way. Yeah. And I just I legitimately had that faith, not only in the in the work that I put in, but like in, in God as well. But just it, it was just that feeling of like there's no way. Yeah. And so even like now this year playing like this. And, and, and that's the reason why I blow up at, like, refs and stuff like that. It's not from a standpoint of, like, oh, I'm arrogant or, oh, uh, I think, like. Yeah, I noticed one you got last night. Yeah, it's because <laughs> it's because when I'm there, like, I understand Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. I understand he's an MVP and all that. Right. I feel like I'm the best player on the court. Right. Regardless. Right. So if we're going to call touch fouls this way. But not the other way. Yeah. Right. And then it, it, I'm going to, like, because I'm trying to win the game, because I'm caught up in that and I'm. Like I said, I, I want to win, and and this is my life, and I feel like that's my life. I'm gonna get mad like that, and, and and then immediately you're like you're mad, and then you calm back down. And then they, I mean, obviously, whether you, they get mad you or not, it's kind of like <laughs> right. oh well, well, damn, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean that's yeah, that's just kind of so so yeah. To speak to to the success, I'm grateful for it, and I understand how how close it was to not happening. I mean, it even took injuries for it to happen sure. because it wasn't on the dock sure. for, for this to happen this sure. year. So it, it's a blessing from God, from the Nets, the whole nine. But if I'm surprised, not at all. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. All right, this is very off topic, but you brought up you brought up the thing with the refs, and I, it, yeah. I was kind of curious. I'm, I covered Sean Livingston in Brooklyn. Yeah. I've been, I live in San Francisco. I'm around him a lot now. He reminds me a lot of you, just kind of the way you guys operate. He just said that thing the other day with Courtney Kirkland. Yeah, yeah. And um, it seems like there's been, I don't know if it's different. It just seems like there is a, a more aggressive posture at times with guys on the court, just mm-hmm. towards the refs. And, and at times, like in reverse, I saw with Courtney. Yeah. Like I've never seen a guy step to a player like that. It was kind of sure. weird. Um, do you do you think that there needs to be? Um, I don't know what the right way to phrase this is. Is, is there, does there need to be some kind of a reset of the relationship there? Do you, or do you think it's maybe getting a little toxic with kind of the way? Because like I understand, like you guys are yeah. fired up on the court, but if if you if it becomes this thing where like the refs are fired getting defensive, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like fired up in so, reverse, like that yeah, doesn't seem like a good situation. So yeah, so that's the thing. I think I think this actually comes more from the players. Because I don't think as players we appreciate enough the job that they're doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because just like this is our lives. It's a hard job. For a lot of them, it's their livelihood. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard to see some little things when guys are moving as fast as we move and all this. And they're legitimately trying to do, obviously, the best job they're trying to do, just like we're trying to do the best job we're trying to do. Right. Just like we have turnovers, they're going to miss calls and all that. And, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there just needs to be a greater appreciation, I think, from the players. And... I mean, I know this is kind of the pot on the kettle black because I'm, I, I, I be spazzing sometimes. <laughs> so no, like, but everybody it, does. I get it. Yeah. Like you guys are, you guys are playing. You're in the heat of battle. You're yeah. playing like you're going crazy trying to win games. Like I totally like anybody who's been near the court in an NBA game yeah. knows how intense the action is. And like I totally understand. Yeah. Why guys would fly off the handle if there's like, hey, like this guy fouled me, what are you doing? Yeah. Like that play with you last night. Like you were like, hey, I got like what the heck is this? Exactly. You know, like I totally understand that. Yeah. And so and I think I think obviously when we're I think that'll also help if when we're off the court we can 
have those situations and have those dialogues where we're like, look, man, we genuinely appreciate you. Like, me as a person, I'm never going to walk to the street and say anything. Like, <laughs> right. I, I just want right. to go about my business, go about my day. Like, right. I hope you have a, a, a great time in the whole nine. It's just, I feel like when they start to feel disrespected, that's when also they get emotional yep. because they feel like, well, we're doing our job. Well, that's what exactly what happened the other day, right? Exactly. He clearly, he clearly reacted to in a way he thought yeah. he was disrespectful. Right. Yeah, and so and I, and I think that's kind of just, just what it is. I, I think if, if we can show more appreciation and and show that we understand, especially off the court in those quiet moments, in those non, you know, what I'm saying high intensity moments, then hopefully when we get in those high intensity moments. And we say something. Everybody they, will have a better understanding. Yeah, they yeah. understand that it's only because we're like, yo, we're trying to win this game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, and, sure. and winning this game puts us in the playoffs. And, and playoffs puts us in the championship. And championship is, you know what I'm saying, just good for everybody. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's how players are. Like, yeah. That's what we think. Like, when we step on the court, like, we're, we're trying to win the championship. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, period. No, totally. Now, you um, – one last basketball thing. You uh, – you mentioned before, like you guys, I think are ten and fourteen. I think the stat I saw today was the last year the Nets won their tenth game on March first. Mm-hmm. It's December eighth. Yeah. So obviously, very different timeline this yeah. year. Um, and you guys made an interesting trade yesterday. We'll see how Julio fits in. But like, do you, you know, even with the injuries you guys have had, do you think it's realistic for this team to be looking at the playoffs? Is that a realistic goal for you guys this season? I think officially our focus is culture and development. I know top down, that's what we always speak about. I know in the foxhole, the players, we want to win all 82 games. Uh, we've lost, what, 14, so that means we're trying to win 68 games. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're trying to go 58-0 and 0 for the rest of the uh, season, which means, I mean, obviously we want to make the playoffs, and, and that's just kind of it's kind of what it is. We're, we're excited to add new talent. We're, we hate to see... You know what I'm saying our brothers go. Trevor was a huge part. Sean was also a big part of the culture and everything that we were doing. Um, we understand the talent of Jaleel. At least we've seen it from afar. Some some of our guys have played with him, uh, as well as Stoskis. Um, so we're excited, and we we want to win. We want to win. I think we we want to go to playoffs. No, I mean you didn't answer my question though. Is that realistic or not? Is it realistic? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? I just want to make make you say it. That's all. No, I mean, listen. You know, you look at the success you guys are having, and you know it's giving you a chance to play. But yeah. like you've had you know, Jeremy's out for the year. You know, D'Angelo's been out for a while. You've had a lot of guys injured, and you're still, yeah. you know, fighting through and, and playing well. So sure. I mean, I certainly think you know it's not like you you look at where the East is right now. There's certainly Definitely. you know you guys have, you guys are within range. Now you, um, your Twitter feed has something that's been interesting to me for a while. Because, uh, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I know some of the coaches back in Detroit, so I've, like, followed you for a while. And mm-hmm. you, you've been pretty active on Twitter, almost kind of from the get-go, it feels yeah. like. Um, you know, guys have approached social media in different ways, understandably, given kind of the, the stuff that comes with it. But what, what, is, what has kind of drawn you to that as a way to kind of interact with people and, you know, give some pretty interesting uh, thoughts and opinions on stuff at times? I mean, I just always kind of just in myself you know what I mean and so when I get on Twitter I don't do anything really different as to if we were sitting right here right you know what I mean uh, um, yeah I mean that, that, that's really my approach to Twitter obviously I don't try to like swear or, <laughs> or say anything wild or anything like that you know um, if a fan says something negative towards me like oh you're a bum this out of the third I probably will respond sarcastically in person, in the same fashion I would on Twitter. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, oh, like, you know, if we're in person, like, I'd beat you up or something like that. Like, sure. Nah, like, I, this, this is who I am. You know what I'm saying? I just, I speak that way and I tweet that way. So, it is not too much variance. Do you, do you think that, because, like, the way it is now, you guys can interact with fans yeah. way more than in the past, right? Like, there was always kind of this barrier, barrier. like, barrier might not be the right word, but, like, you talk to people like me, and, like, we yeah, write stories, fans, and we, that's how it would work. Do you, you know, but, like, on the flip side, that also leads to way more negative 
stuff sure. going your guys' way, I feel like. Because, like, I'm sure you would say that if you're walking down the street, if somebody who on Twitter would be calling you a bum yeah. would see you on the street, they're not going to be calling you a bum. Of course. They're going to be like, oh, Spencer, you're the greatest, man. Yeah. So, like, do you do you think that kind of in, in the <coughs> net, in the, bless you, in the, in the net, overall look at the way social media has kind of impacted everything now do yeah. you think that it's been a positive for guys in positions like you because you can't have more of a direct relationship with fans yeah. or is that direct relationship because of how negative the internet can be has it kind of been a net negative like which which side are you would you come down on that i would say a net positive yeah you know what i mean you you understand the pitfalls you understand how easy it is for people to put on their bravado behind a, a screen or behind, you know what I'm saying, a keyboard. Mm-hmm. You you also understand that the hot takes and, and people twisting your words um, because of how condensed it is, uh, is also hard. You know what I'm saying? So still speaking with somebody like you, and it is the best way, I feel like, to craft a full story. Like, if you if you want people to take a story for what the story is, right. your full quotes, the whole night, uninterrupted, you kind of have to go through some type of publication, right? Um, because hot yeah, take, two hundred even now with two hundred eighty characters, yeah. you're not you're hot not getting enough information. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, the reason why it's a net positive is because you can give them a certain level of authenticity that it's it's just impossible. I, I think the reason why people are negative is because they're superimposing the problems in their life onto their quote-unquote heroes and idols. And so when you take a, a public profession, it's kind of par for the course. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they, so if, if they're mad at their job and they're like, the only thing I want to see tonight is a Nets win, and then <laughs> I miss the game-winning shot, they're yeah. like, you're the reason I'm mad in my life. Right. Even though it's really their job. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they're not able to always separate those things. And so they're like, Spencer Dinwiddie is the reason why I'm mad because he missed the game winner and tricked off the game. And I also would think that a lot of guys in your position aren't either willing or able to separate that either, right? Yeah. Like, you're right. Like, people use sports as an outlet to forget about their day-to-day problems. Yeah. But when people are coming at you guys, understandably – guys aren't necessarily going to be like, yeah, you know what, like, that guy probably had a crappy day at work. Like, yeah. what the heck is this guy's problem? Exactly. Right? Like, I mean, I think that, you know, that's that, to me, is what makes it interesting. Like, I'm on social media all the time for my yeah. job, and, like, it's a, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of positives to it. Like, in, from my work, it's positive, but it's terrible. Yeah. There's negativity everywhere, and yeah. people can... You know, throw bombs at people that if For they sure. saw you in person, they would never, never they would never say. Yeah. Um, let's talk a couple minutes about Mexico City, and then we'll be done because since we're here. What what has been? You know, you've been here for a few days now. What's kind of your take on the city and being here? Um, it, it's been cool so far. You know, kind of getting different experiences, being able to kind of see, uh, just just more. You know, and expand your view. And anytime you can like travel the world and see different things, it it, it just makes you more aware in general. Um, and then also the fact that they had, you know, 23,000 or I think that was the number right last year. Yeah, 22 night. something. A yeah, lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of people. And they were, and they were, you know what I'm saying, they were hype and they brought a lot of energy. So it was fun. You, the, the NBA announced yesterday, they're recording this on Friday. The, the NBA announced yesterday that they're going to uh, have a G League team here. Probably didn't officially announce it, but they're going to have one maybe as soon as next year. And it's very clear that's a dry run to see what it would be. Like logistically to have a real, to have an NBA team. Yeah. As a player, how realistic do you think it is that a team could be here? I mean, the, the travel wasn't bad at all. You know, I mean, people got to take their passports to go to Canada. So yeah, if if you're gonna get twenty three thousand every night, I mean, I think the league is smart. You know I mean, the the league in general doesn't do anything or try to do anything that's gonna harm. Itself, it's always doing things for the betterment, sure. and, and you can see that with the with the success that we're having, and and that it looks like we're continuing to have, especially with the conflicts and scandals that football is having. So, if they're going to put it here, I'm I'm sure that they've got a lot of research back saying that it's that's feasible and that it's gonna gonna help. Do you do you think that guys would be willing to play here? I mean, at the end of the day, why not? You know, what I mean, it's it's. It's the NBA. It's what a lot of guys dream of. Um, 
I mean, I think the logistics of everything are something that's going to have to be figured out, but I'm sure that's what they're figuring out. You know what I mean? And, sure. And there's people that get, that get paid more than me to figure that stuff out. So, <laughs> you, you and know, me that's, both, believe me. Yeah, that's, that's on them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think as, as long as as long as we had a fan support like we like we did last night, I don't I don't see why uh, why it wouldn't be fun to have games here. Yeah, that works for me, man. Thanks Perfect. for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Spencer for coming on the podcast. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter at sdinwitty underscore twenty five. Really fun Twitter follow. Just as you. Heard on the pod, a really interesting guy. Um, definitely worth checking out. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, in the pages of the Washington Post or on WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Uh, give Glenn Yoder in the Western States uh, some support. Guys who did the theme music for the podcast, everybody loves their work. Uh, it's one of the things I hear about the most about the podcast. So you know, definitely go check that out. Um, you look up their music online and get it. Please go find the podcast wherever you can or wherever you get it on the internet. Give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out a lot. Be sure to check out some other Washington Post podcasts, including Letters from War, our new one about the Eide Brothers from World War II, which is fascinating, uh, as well as Can He Do That, Constitutional, uh, The Daily 202, The Fantasy Football Beat, and a few others. So definitely worth checking out. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you all again soon.